everybody. This is Andy Marquette. I am joined by my colleague and friend, Joe Bell. We are Women in Words, where we talk about all the things that went down on the Women in Words blog this week, as well as whatever the hell else presents itself, because that is what we're known for. Hi, yes. Joe. Hi. How are you? Oh, my God. I'm so tired. But how are you? I'm, I'm good. Guess what happened this week? Okay, tell us. Uh, my refrigerator... Stopped oh. being a refrigerator. No. Yeah, no, it just turned into like this this really big box. Oh my God. That was holding stuff but not keeping it cold. No. I know, what? it was such a bummer. So but, what did you do? Oh, we bought a new one, obviously. <laughs> now I have a different box that's keeping things cold. So did you, but did you lose a whole bunch of food or no? No, uh, we caught it in time. Um we caught it before because we had the the kind you know with the French doors and then the mm -hmm. the freezer on the bottom. You've seen my refrigerator, but it's been a while. Yeah. Yeah. Um. Anyway, so the refrigerator became you know lost its ability to to chill before the the freezer did. So and we oh, didn't wow. and we didn't have well because it was on the bottom and apparently. Mm -hmm. According to the appliance person, that's actually not that uncommon with that style because they have like control boards and the boards go out and whatever. Mm -hmm. So yeah, got new, got new refrigerator. And, and here's the exciting part. Our dishwasher hasn't worked forever and I just haven't cared to fix it because, you know, <laughs> I, I grew up washing dishes, right? Like we can wash dishes by hand and, uh, um, so we just have, you know, whatever and but because we were there and at the appliance store and they were going to be coming out anyway we also got a dishwasher so now tara <laughs> now tara is very very happy oh well that's all that matters mm -hmm. right yeah. there it's pretty exciting cool well it sucks that your fridge went out i'm glad you caught it because that is such a yeah just sucky well yeah you and your food and you know we have uh I, I i should point this out because not everybody does this but we have a extra refrigerator and we have mm -hmm. an extra freezer because we have a yeah. large family and <laughs> so we've got those two you know we've got an, we had a refrigerator and a freezer downstairs that we could move everything into so yeah Oh, awesome. Yeah, we did that when I was growing up. Yeah. For your listener, for those of you who don't know, Andy grew up on a goat farm, okay? So yes. we had like a couple of freezers out in one of our barns, and that's where we kept a bunch of like meat, you know, from from neighbors and, you know, meat that we literally killed because we raised chickens and, and turkeys. And so we had a bunch of meat out there in those freezers, so... You know, my mom would be like, okay, I need you to go get a chicken out of the freezer. Mm -hmm. You know, down to the barn we went to get the chicken out of the freezer. <laughs> yeah, we keep we keep ours, uh, that our, our downstairs refrigerator is primarily just for eggs and uh, the seeds that I stockpile. Oh, good for you. Yeah. Getting ready for that climate disaster. <laughs> well, it, you're supposed to store them in a cool place, so yeah. We, right on. Yeah. Well done. Don't you have stockpiled seeds, I hope. No, I do not. Oh, I'll send you some. You need to have some. <laughs> I need to have some. Yeah. Okay. 
Thank you. Dear listener, <laughs> if you don't have seeds, you need to get some. And you should check your your local library because a lot of libraries have added seed libraries where people I can did not know that. It's super cool. So you can go in and you can say, I need whatever seeds and it's something that somebody else has donated. So like they've grown their thing, they've got their seeds and they shared the seeds. So you can get a lot of good heirloom stuff for, you know, freeze and stuff. Oh my God. See, I do cool? not know that. Look at all the shit I learn on this podcast. <laughs> Well, we're going to assume that um, they let you do that. <laughs> I mean, it's the one in 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 uh, Camas in Washougal. They they have a seed garden, and Camas is the town where Tara was born. That's where her parents still live. So, oh, but look, there's a whole like directory. You can go to seedlibraries.weebly.com and you can check it out. There's whole there's a listing there. So, wow, <sighs> yeah. Shit, I just learned stuff. Oh my god. It's kind of a cool idea, right? So it's a super cool yeah. idea, especially if you're living in areas where, you know, even if you live in an urban area, you can still do urban farming mm -hmm. or have like your little pots in your apartment or whatever. Mm hmm I, mean, I know lots of people who do that in New York. They like have their little, you know, tomato plants in their houses. Yeah. Or on their balconies during the summer. Mm -hmm. You know. Yeah. Even people who have room for gardens, like we have room for a garden. We don't necessarily have the sunlight, but mm -hmm. a lot of people who have the room still want to do goofy stuff like use like those topsy-turvy things for the tomatoes, which don't ask me to explain that. I can't, I don't even understand why you I, want your tomatoes. I'm talking about, yeah. But why, why do you want your tomatoes to be upside down? They, they're, they're getting a head rush. I don't get it. I know, right? I'm, whatever. Anyway. <laughs> anyway, seed libraries. Mm -hmm. Yay! Okay. I feel so cool when I get to share hipsy, hip, hippy, uh, dippy stuff like that with you guys. Like, I love it. I, I, I love it. I especially like it when you don't already know it because you know, you're, so you're, cool. you know, everything. That but is, dear listener, that is not true. Well, if it if it hap if it had happened, you know, a hundred years ago, you'd know about it. I might know. I just. <laughs> I just, I have so many files in my head, y'all, and it's just useless info I just stockpiled. I stockpiled that joke. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, you know, who knows if that'll be useful. So, I Googled yes. Seed Library because, you know, I wanted to yes. make sure I wasn't talking out my ass. There's so many. Portland State University has one, too, so you can check your local colleges. Oh, good idea. Here's one that's called growportland.org. It's, it's, it's all over it. It's a, it's I'll, bet a, there's, I'll bet they do it in Europe more than here, though. Um, well, there's some stuff. So y'all in Europe are listening? Check yeah, it out. Yeah. Well, I, everything I'm seeing is for the U.S., but, you know, it's they give you that localized whatever because they know where I'm at. So my response is, you know, focus on, you know, things that are near me. But, yeah. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Yeah. Oh my gosh, so cool. Okay, uh, and I don't want to talk about politics, but can we just say that Alabama is stupid and Kansas makes me happy, and there's now, what, 22, <laughs> 23 people running for president for on the Democratic ticket? So uh, it, I think it is, wait, it might be 23 now. Yeah, I think yeah. it's 23, because the guy from Montana yeah. just announced. Oh, yeah, yeah. Can I say that Georgia is also stupid, and so is Missouri? Yeah. And, okay. Anybody right. else? Yeah. All right. No, that's enough for now. Did you know that my governor is running for president, Jay Inslee? Oh, my God. No. No, I did not know that. He announced a while ago, but he is. Uh, wow. Mm, 
Okay. It's all very interesting, isn't it? I guess the more the merrier, right? <laughs> um, yeah. Uh, I'm actually all of them yeah. over what we have. <laughs> let's, just, let's just have 22 presidents, y'all. I'd be okay with that. You know, I haven't. I haven't seen anybody that I that I would be really upset to vote for. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, like same. I'm not crazy about Biden. I don't, and, and I don't think he can get you know the vote from uh, black women. Like, I don't, I don't think he can carry that. Uh, Anita Hill, anyone? But right, right. But, but other than him, as a, a some really cool people running for president, I'm excited. So. Let's see. We'll see what happens um, yes. in the meantime. Um, yes. Yeah, all those states are stupid. Okay. Now let's go. <laughs> but Kansas, Kansas is cool. Know, Kansas, actually, I don't know what. What the right fuck, right? Kansas, right on Kansas for finally not being stupid. Yeah. <laughs> You've done some stupid stuff there. And I mean, let's just, let's, let's like clarify the legislature has done stupid stuff there. Okay. Mm-hmm. Let's yes. do that. All right. Okay, no more politics because yes, let's talk blog. All right, yeah. um, on May twelfth, yay, we oh, were joined. What twenty four Democrats according to this website? Oh, okay, twenty four. Sorry. Wow. Anyway, go ahead. Yeah, on May twelfth, we were joined by author Jess Lee, who was with Ilva Publishing, and she wanted to talk a little bit about sapphic sleuths. I am all about sapphic sleuths. And just as a heads up, Jess, Jess's novel is, um, her first novel is A Curious Woman, and it is a murder, mystery, and a romance. And to celebrate its release, dun dun dun, congrats, Jess. She is paying tribute to some of her favorite lesbian mysteries, old and new. So this is almost a reader's perspective, but it's also like, yay, I published a book. So awesome. Thanks, Jess. So some of those books are. Oh, this one's really cool. Dorothy Porter, The Monkey's Mask. That's 1994, friends. Basically, Sapphic Sleuth friends have been around a long, longer time than you thought. So, um, yeah. No, keep going. I, I eventually want to talk about what Sapphic Sleuth means. Uh, is it a lesbian detective or is it yes. a, or is it a detective looking for lesbians? Possibly both. Yeah. All right. All at the same time. The Monkey's Mask is a jaded, bitter private detective tempted by a femme fatale who might turn out to be a killer. And she says, this sounds like the plot of a Bogart movie, but it is a lesbian crime thriller. So, cool. Yeah. I I don't think I've... I read that, I think, like, years ago. I'm going to have to reread it now. Um, She says, the scenes are filmic and sensuous, saying things a prose writer might not dare about sex, gore, violence, loneliness, and obsession. Ooh. Oh, we know this one, Joe. Lee Winter, The Red Files. I love like, Lee. Right? Yeah. And this is that, that one where her main character, Lauren King, is an aspiring journalist. Yeah. And Catherine Ayers is the powerful political correspondent now banished to the purgatory of entertainment news. So basically it's these two women clashing and provoking each other and trying to deny their mutual attraction. And then a mystery comes into play. Yes. But it's Lee Winter, so you cannot go wrong there. Can I, can I tell you something about that book? Yes, please. I edited that book. Yes, I know. Yeah. Everybody know. Yeah, it's uh, it's really fucking yeah. good. It's really good, y'all. So, um, okay, Monica Nolan. This is, oh, I've read this one. It's hilarious. Lois Lenz, Lesbian Secretary, 2007. 
Hmm. Welcome to the secret world of lesbian career girls. Lois, it's 1950s America, and Lois shocks her small town by abandoning a life of cheerleading and homemaking to become a secretary in Bay City. Um, so, you know what I know about Bay City? They used to have rollers. <laughs> I know, right? But the yeah. roller, that was after the lesbian secretaries. Oh, okay. okay. So... Um, anyway, she works at an advertising firm, and she's at a ladies' boarding house, and someone's been breaking into her office and blackmailing people. And what happened to the last girl who lived in her room and disappeared? Dun, dun, dun. There's dark awesome. stuff in the background. Lesbians trapped in loveless marriages. That would be probably loveless marriages to men. Probably. Racism. McCarthy's witch hunts. But the mystery itself is fluffy, silly, and very camp. So, I yeah. like camp. Pick that one up. Um, Mabel Maney, Kiss the Girls and Make Them Spy. That's 2001. And that one is, if you feel like searching secondhand stores, you won't regret it. It's swinging 60s London. And the British Secret Service have heard of a dastardly plot to kidnap the Queen. Their top agent is unavailable, so they turn to his handsome, hard-drinking lesbian sister, yeah. Jane Bond. <laughs> nice. So, yeah, y'all, that's a blast. So, thank you, Jess. Okay, and wait, wait, her, wait. Go ahead. What? Go ahead. I'm just saying that Jess's latest is A Curious Woman, and it is available through Ilva Publishing. Yeah. So um, now I want to back up and start and talk about Saturday's blog from Aaron Saluda. We skipped that one. Oh, fuck. Yes, let's talk about Aaron. Yeah, let's Aaron, do Aaron, we're talking about you now. <laughs> I hope you're happy. I think, I think she's happy. She seems happy. <laughs> she seems like a generally happy person. I think everybody should be happy. I am. Okay, I am clicking the linky link, and hello, here it is. Yes, we did have Aaron, May 11th. Mm -hmm. So you guys just like pretend that this one is first. Okay. Yes. This was a reader's perspective on trying not to be shallow when choosing a book. <laughs> <laughs> so she says, I don't want to come off as being shallow, but I think as humans, we do judge each other on outward appearances. The yes, other day, yes. my dad was over for dinner. He proved himself to be quite the character with the advancement of his Alzheimer's. The filter on his mouth seems to be working less. And some of the things that he says are outrageous. We started playing a dinner party game. And what you do is you draw a card, you read it to the group, and then everyone proceeds to answer it. One of the first questions my dad drew was, would you rather be 10% smarter or 10% better looking? How would you answer that? My dad chose being 10% better looking. When asked why he would go that direction, he said that those who are attractive get more attention and people are drawn to them socially. So is that true? Do we gravitate toward people who are pleasing to look at regardless of their intellectual connection? Hmm. Are you asking me? That's what Aaron's asking us. Um, I, hmm. think, I, I think it's true. Yeah, I'm sad, but... Mm -hmm. I, I, I do. I do think it's true. Mm -hmm. But the point is, and Aaron says this, I would like to put this in the context of lesbic. Let's look at book covers in comparison to what is inside. How important is the cover in representing the book? And does the cover relate to an intellectual connection that might be discovered in the pages? So Daniel Zion, our other readers in residence, made an excellent comment to me at one point. And said, I never bought a book because of a cover, but I know I have chosen not to buy a book because of its cover. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I've definitely stopped and looked at a book because of the cover. 
Um, and I, I try to do most of my book reading via the library. Obviously, that isn't hundred percent, um, but um, I definitely have checked books out based on the cover and nothing else. Mm-hmm. Like not even a glance at the at the description. Just oh look, it's a book. I'm gonna read it, and then discovered that the cover was great, but the book not so much. Mm-hmm. That happens. Well, Joe, and you and you know this um, because you've designed covers that it's tricky to get a cover to evoke a story in a way that is accurate, Mm -hmm. but also makes the reader just really want to pick up that book. Yeah. Yeah. And it gets even more complicated if you've got uh, feedback from the author, especially, and not that we don't want authors to have input, but a lot of times if it's your vision, you get very, very precious about the things that are included (laughs) in it. And that's not always the healthiest thing when it comes to the cover. You know, sometimes, sometimes it really is better to sit back and let somebody else take the wheel on that, which is hard to do. Yeah, I think with covers too, especially because like Aaron is saying, that is the, the first thing a reader sees. Mm -hmm. It's the outward facing, you know, face. About a book (laughs) is the cover, right? I mean, that's, whether you're in a bookstore or you're online, that is generally what you see first is the book cover. And if that book Mm -hmm. cover doesn't grab you or it's or it's just universally bad you know with like really shitty art or whatever or shitty fonts and uh oh or or mad dogs then yeah, you know max says out. hi hi max so anyway um yeah i think that we've had this discussion too about what covers can signal and what they sometimes end up screwing a book over because the book could be a really good book but if the cover mm-hmm. isn't you may be losing sales. I mean, let's just put it out there. The, the saying goes, you don't judge a book by its cover, but I'm sorry, people, we do. Yeah, and, you know, I think that's even more apt in the current publishing climate because it's so, so easy to publish your own work. And uh, if you don't have a professional cover, you've just made it really, really clear that, you know, it's it's self-published. And if you didn't care enough to get the right cover, did you care enough to get it edited? Did you care enough to get it typeset? Did you care enough? You know what I mean? So it's 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 a tricky bit of business, that. Yeah. And Erin yeah. says she thinks that covers can be a pivotal point of a book sale. And she makes the point that now that we have many more platforms, like you just said, on which to tell queer stories, it seems that there's a greater demand for better covers mm-hmm. you know you think that's true i don't know i do maybe i'm making i do because not just not just that there are more platforms uh to publish but there are more more platforms like the the ability to do design is becoming more and more and more accessible 20 years ago Joe Schmo would have had to mm-hmm. gone to school and spun, spent a whole ton of money in order to be able to make a, a, a decent cover. Not even a good cover, a decent cover. Now, it's pretty freaking easy to come up with a decent cover. Yeah, and there's a lot of things available to do that. Yeah. So, like you were saying. Yeah. Um, so, there's like literally no excuse. <laughs> it really isn't. 
And, and I, I'm just going to put this out there too. I've worked in publishing for a really long time and I do not, I, I mean, I think that I can recognize good covers, but I don't pretend to have the skills to create them. Um, I, yeah, I don't know that I am necessarily very good at, at identifying really good covers. I, I can identify what looks good to me, but mm -hmm. the best covers that I've made involved, you know, a committee, typically, um, Jill McKnight and her dog yelling at me. That's the most, <laughs> uh, successful, you know, version of things. Yeah. So I, I think that if you're going to, it's, you know, it's just like anything else. If you're going to seek other people's feedback on how it's going, you know, on whether or not a yeah. cover works, make sure that you're getting qualified opinions. Like everybody can have one, but that doesn't mean that it's the, you know, it's the right cover for what you're trying to do. And the reason Jill is my go-to person is because she doesn't treat things as, as they're precious. And she has, you know, her, her history, her, she's got a master's in art history. And so she understands artistic beauty and, you know, that's, rare and beautiful and wonderful and take advantage of the people in your life who can do those things mm -hmm. that's what i have to say about that anyway moving on sorry okay i got no, distracted perfect. that was that was the entire point of aaron's blog was just talking about that how covers can or cannot sell a book and in terms of lesbic you know we could go on and on about that you know her point was that back in the day when we had one publisher you know, nobody really grouse too much about the covers because holy shit, lesbian content, you mm -hmm. know. And now that we have so much content available, and we do have a lot of a lot of content available, now it seems that, you know, we ought to pay more attention to how we package that content. Agreed. So anyway, thanks, Aaron. That was cool. Mm-hmm. Oh my God, and we talked about writing and covers, Joe. I know publishing it as an industry. We didn't, wow. we didn't talk about editing, which is, you know, kind of That's an important part of it. But maybe maybe in a little bit, we'll get a chance to. We'll get a chance. Sure. Okay. Mm -hmm. Okay. So now we're going to skip ahead again to yes. May 13th. Yeah. Jess Chandler stopped by with an interview of Judy Kerr, who is just releasing her first book through Launchpoint Press. Congratulations, yeah. Judy. And that book is called Black Friday. It is an M.C. McCall novel of suspense. And here's the teaser. M.C. has it all. A loving partner, a nice home in St. Paul, and the job of her dreams as a postal inspector. Assigned to an FBI joint task force, she's excited to investigate a Ponzi scheme until a critically important whistleblower goes missing. Two murders follow, and M.C.'s professional world starts to tilt. Then her personal life implodes, and suddenly she's drowning in the depths of darkness. Can she keep her head above water, or will she be destroyed by the corruption, hidden enemies, and dark deeds surrounding her? Ooh. Yes. That sounds awesome. Yeah. So Jesse likes to do these interviews with authors, and this one is no exception. And Judy tells a little bit, you know, she talks about how she came to writing. And she ended up taking writing classes in the loft from Lori Lake. Yeah. Right on. So mm -hmm. she's read several of her books and decided this would be a really cool thing to do. And Jesse says, so this is your first mystery. Where did you get the idea? And 
she says she decided to do NaNoWriMo in 2009. And she's always been fascinated with Split Rock Lighthouse and the North Shore. She loves that area. And she was working for the Postal Service. Nice. And decided she wanted her protagonist to be a postal inspector because no one ever writes a police procedural crime fiction using postal inspectors. So there she goes. Off she went. I I don't think most people even realize how important the postal inspectors are, frankly. But they're right. They're very they're very important to, you know, law enforcement in the US. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and that's true. I I can't think of like, can you think of any lesbian books right now that have postal inspectors besides Judy's? I don't think I I can't. Wow. So I'm gonna have to read this now. Mm hmm. So she was writing the book and she was still working for the USPS. And she knew a few postal inspectors and Said, she says they were very close mouthed when I tried to pick their brains, with, and so they refused to give up anything to me. So she read everything on the official website, searched the internet for anything she could find, and watched several episodes of a TV show called The Inspectors. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think that they don't—they don't like to give stuff up because they don't want people to know how they run their investigations. Right. I think that's—I think right. that's why they're as successful. Because, you know, they, they, they catch people doing bad things. I, people don't realize it, but they do. But she did finally find an inspector that was willing to talk to her a little bit. Cool. So, yay. And she's still in touch with him. He's retired now. But how cool. That's super cool. Super, super, that, super, super cool. And that's so important when you can find those people, friends, who can uh, be that sounding board. When I was writing... Um, from the hat down, that was the follow-up to Boots Up. Mm-hmm. When I was writing that book, I had I had a lot of questions about certain conditions and veterinarian stuff, and I happened to have graduated with a guy who became a vet, and we had been in contact off and on, so I just contacted him and said, hey, can you answer some questions for this novel I'm writing? Nice. <laughs> and he was totally into it, so people... You know, are often flattered when a writer hits them up and asks them questions about what they do. Yeah, well, and the cool thing about, especially our community, is is you know the, the the lesbian fiction community, and I'm not just talking about writers. I'm talking about writers and editors and readers, and you know the whole gamut of people who are involved in the world of publishing. You know, from creation, inception to you know in product and consumption, they're all very open and generous and kind. And, you know, it's if you want to research something, if you're writing a book about something specific, and you don't know anything about it, I guarantee there's somebody in the community who does and who will answer questions, just, you know, got to put a call out there. And eventually, somebody somewhere is going to respond. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so and, you know, I'll just like do do a little promo here for for GCLS Golden Crown Literary Society. They actually have a network of experts available. If you're writing a book, you can contact them and see if they have someone in their expert files who can talk to you about what they do. Similarly, if you are an expert on something, you can uh, offer to provide a you know an expert uh, reading of of material and make sure that it's accurate. They, they allow, you know, you could do it either way. Yes. Yes. So please, you know, let's share some information here. Mm-hmm. Information is best when shared. It is very best. All right. Thank you, Jesse. And thank you, Jess, for stopping by. And remember, Jess's book comes out 
the end of June through Launch Point Publications, and the title is Black Friday. Woohoo! Congratulations. Yeah, very Jeff. cool. All right. That was fun. I like, st- I like stories like that. Me too. Talking, talking about how writers do what they do, you know, that's always really cool. Our, oh my God, we talked about writing again. Mm-hmm. What? A little bit. Hell? What talked the hell? Writing and research. Damn. Mm-hmm. All right. May 14th, um, Ask the Pros by Angela Grace. Angela Grace stopped by. Joe, you want to mm-hmm. tell our, our friends about Angela? Angela is a life coach and, I don't know, therapist and psychologist. And she's got a lot of, like, <laughs> letters after her name. I don't, I don't know. Um Anyway, she's our our resident. Give us uh, good advice on how to have you know good thoughts in our heads and how to do things in a way that is emotionally and mentally healthy. That's that's what she does. She provides us with that guidance. Yeah, yeah. She's a good one. And and she's just super freaking kind. Mm -hmm. Yes, truth. So in this one, Job, and I think I could probably benefit quite a bit from this lesson or this little tidbit. She was talking about um, her wife made an off-the-cuff comment about a project they're working on. She said, you know, it's all in the implementation. I agreed with her at the time, and I moved on with the project, but the comments stayed with me because there's something so basic and truthful about implementation, right? You know, you can Google everything. There's millions of self-help books but there's one thing that no one can do for us when the rubber hits the road either we implement or we don't sometimes we implement and stop sometimes we have all the pieces but we don't start then there are those magical times when we implement and have success so this month's challenge and i am definitely taking this is for you to skip the question of why don't i implement and move directly into implementation Whew. that's always the hardest thing to do though you know is to to start something especially if it's like kind of scary or big or something you've never done before. Oh yeah, definitely. I that's where everything in my world falls apart, frankly. I'm really good <laughs> at like the planning and the thinking about it. I'm actually pretty good at implementing things. I'm just not really very good at continuing things. That too is something, you know, cuz people like, yeah, I got this thing off the ground and then it's like, oh shit, I have to keep it off the ground. Mm-hmm. Right? Mhm. That's that's something that I struggle with too. Mm-hmm. But I have like, oh, go ahead. No, I'm not, I got nothing. Okay. So Angela says, keep emotion out of it if possible. If you make it emotional, there's a good chance you won't implement. <laughs> mm-hmm. Think your project. Don't feel it. Unless, of course, the project makes you happy. In order to increase the likelihood of being successful, write down the steps you need to take on the project, then do them and cross them off the list. As you cross them off, you can feel successful. <laughs> yes. All of that is true. I do feel successful when I cross things off. Same. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Even if it's just like going through the motions, right? Okay, yeah. I did that. <laughs> but that's, yeah. I got to think about that one because there's, a, there's, I've got some projects going on and I'm just like, having a bitch of a time implementing i'm just like yeah me too i don't know if i I, 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 y'all i've told you about this about a thousand times i'm still uh, remodeling my main bathroom 
And mm -hmm. I'm, I'm at a point where I'm not entirely certain what I'm doing. So I've done a lot of research and a lot of Googling and a lot of YouTube videos. And But it's still, I'm stepping slowly because I want to be, be confident that I'm stepping surely. And mm -hmm. it makes it very, very challenging. Yeah. But you did implement the project. You started the project. No, I started the project a year ago. I mean, come on. <laughs> it's just keeping that going. Yeah. 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 I get uh, a little overwhelmed with the, the minutia of it, the details of how to make it happen, you know? Mm -hmm. Angela, I need, I need more of you in my life. <laughs> exactly. Mm -hmm. <laughs> Please help. Send help. Oh, mm -hmm. my God. It's for real. For real. Yeah. But that's, that's a good thing to think about, though, is, you know, if you have these ideas like make a list and then like start doing these things and crossing them off your list one by one. Yeah. So thank you, Angela. Yeah. Oh my God. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Totally. Mm -hmm. Okay. May 15th, Clifford May Henderson joined us and this was a really cool blog because Clifford, Cliffy went down to Mexico in their, in, in her hippie van mod. So, mm -hmm. so they crossed the border and went to San Felipe, which is two and a half hour drive drive from Calexico in California. It's located in Baja, California, on the Sea of Cortez, um, or others will call it the Gulf of California. While there, you know, they have friends there. We learned that San Felipe boasts a large part-time expat retirement population, mostly from the U.S. and Canada. It also has one of the largest tidal boards in the world, which makes for great beachcombing. And she says she could go on and on about things we learned about San Felipe, the local economy being seriously threatened by a ban on fishing due to the Gulf being overfished, about a fish called the Totuaba, whose swim bladders are so prized by the Chinese and so lucrative that the lights from illegal fishing boats dot the Gulf at night despite the ban. About the vaquitas, the smallest of dolphins that are on the verge of extinction due to getting caught up in the totuaba nets. And about how totuaba bones wash up on the beach because fishermen just cut the bladder from the large fish and toss the rest back into the sea. Oh, wow. Oh, man. She could tell you about tequila, guacamole, and how sweet the locals were, how kind. Her friend's beautiful artwork crafted from bones. But I want to talk about the border, she says. So... Crossing the border into Mexico was, was very easy. The border guards just waved us through into Mexicali. The only issue we had there is upon entering Mexico, we were temporarily without phone service, which completely freaked me out because not only was I relying on GPS to get us where we were going, I was also relying on it to communicate. We didn't even know where exactly they lived in San Felipe. But after 15 minutes, my phone kicked in with, Welcome to Mexico! And we were good to go. Oh, how quickly we all become dependent on our phones. Well, that and how many people think about the fact that, you know, when you're traveling to Mexico, you're traveling internationally, and your phone may not behave like, a, you know, a nice, you know, toy. It might have special requirements. You might have to do something. Yes, friends, make sure you call your provider and find out what you need to do to, for international calls. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, now... Cliffy is now crossing back into the U.S., and that's another story. For starters, there was tons of razor wire, and it took us three hours of bumper-to-bumper -bumper sitting in our van to even reach the razor wire border. We were in three lanes that merged into another three lanes. 
During this three-hour process, locals roamed through the traffic trying to sell us everything from bottles of water to chips to jewelry to pottery. You name it, they had it. Some were simply begging. One guy told us he was trying to get home. Another followed along next to our car for a good 10 minutes, begging us. There were even Jamaican women carrying their wares on their heads. It was a scene, and our dollar bills went quickly. Finally, it was our turn to cross, and lucky us, we got Barney Fife. (laughs) Oh, well, that's always encouraging. I'll admit, we made the mistake of telling him it was our first time to drive across the border. This was all it took for him to puff up into Mr. Important who needs to educate the poor stupid women. He told us all about people who try to cross without passports, people who only have driver's licenses or IDs. He told us about sentry passes for low-risk travelers, something we might think about getting. But mostly, he told us all about the importance of his job, blah, blah, blah. Meanwhile, I'm thinking about the huge line behind us wondering, is this why it's taking so long? (laughs) After his initial monologue, he asked us a bunch of questions and looked under the van with the mirror then looked inside the van and inside our ice chest where, as it turned out, we had, oh no, too many beers. <laughs> we had eight. We were only allowed six. We also had four hard-boiled eggs, which threw him into a swivet. If these weren't hard-boiled, you'd be in some trouble. And these extra beers, he said, shaking his head. Ultimately, he decided to let us through as a favor to us because it was our first time. What did, did he just confiscate the beers? And this makes me wonder yeah. if this is like, you know how when you're in high school and a teacher goes out and he's searching the lockers for, you know, marijuana mm-hmm. or whatever, and you wonder, is that confiscated really? marijuana really going where to the police or wherever? Right? Or is it just going into somebody's stash? So the beers, is there really a six beer limit? Or did the guy just want a couple beers? Like, these are questions no, I have. Let, I, he let them keep the beers. All because, of them? Because you know, he was mansplaining, you know. Uh, I... He decided to let us through as a favor because it was our first time, see? So oh, that's, we, he was kind of mansplaining the whole thing. The big strong man explained everything and then rescued them from their, their silly alcohol-consuming <laughs> patterns or habits. Yeah. That's, yeah, that's exactly. good. That's nice. All right. But I like how, you know, Cliffy describes that process, you know, and I haven't crossed into the Mexico, crossed into Mexico for a, a, for a few years, but it's true. It's really easy for Americans to cross into Mexico and it is a bitch coming back. Yeah, I mean, I don't even know why anybody wants to come across our border. We've made it so painful and made it so clear that, you know, we, we're like the, the, you know what we are? Oh my God, Andy, we're like the old man of the neighborhood uh, of the oh world God. community. We're like the country that's sitting there yelling, you kids get off my lawn! And, you know, threatening to get our shotguns. <gasps> oh my God, that is so true. That is right? so what's happening. Get off my lawn! All that, all that razor wire is like that, you know, six foot fence plus, uh, you know, a hedge or whatever that that neighbor has. Damn. I don't like us. Oh, we suck. We do suck. But I also like Cliffy's descriptions of, you know, when she was in San Felipe. Those are really nice. But she's such a fabulous writer. So it's mm-hmm. like she goes on her travels. It's so much fun when she blogs about it. Mm-hmm. Thank yeah. you, Cliffy. Yes, we are the 
cranky old man of the world. Yeah, I don't know why we insist on making everything so fucking hard. And it's like, it's like Americans didn't stop to think for even a second about how it affects Americans living in Mexico. And guess what? Lots of Americans retire and move down to Mexico. Lots and lots Mm -hmm. and lots. Lots. And they buy houses without being able to buy the property that the house is sitting on. And they just do it on faith, hoping that, you know, they'll never be asked to leave. But if they are asked to leave, guess what? They just have to leave. So I don't know why we're so determined to, you know, make sure that Mm -hmm. the rest of the world hates us. Like, why is that necessary? God, if only we had answers. I don't have. Because fix it. Yeah, I know. Thank you, Cliffy. Yeah, Ah. thanks, Cliffy. Glad you had fun. Sorry that the border sucked. Really glad that you had a man there to rescue you and explain how he was rescuing you. That's 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 always so helpful. Yeah, that's just (laughs) luck right there. You you guys drew the. I mean, because you're just two sad women all alone. Clearly, you needed a man in your world. (laughs) (sighs) Jesus Christ! I know. All right. May 16th, R.G. Emanuel joined us, and this is the start of this blog. From what I hear, 50 is the new 40, and 40 is the new 30. That's what they're saying. So why do I get the feeling that in the job market, 40 is more like 50, and 50 might as well be 80? Mm -hmm. And that is a true fact. I mean, age discrimination is illegal, but ha! It happens all the fucking time. Yeah, it may be illegal, but that doesn't mean it's not a thing. It's also illegal for, you know, an employer to not hire somebody because they're pregnant. But guess what? Right. That shit happens too. Happens. Yep. <sighs> not, uh, So, yeah, and I mean, these are thoughts that I've had too, is like, I ain't no spring chicken anymore, Mm -hmm. and so if I have to go look for another job somewhere, if I ever have to do that, I am so fucked. (laughs) I'm so fucked. Yeah, you you do need to go find a different job because your current job makes you want to, it makes you want to (laughs) homicide. Well, yeah, but, you know, I'm old now, and it's much harder to find different jobs when you're old. Yeah. So, anyway, RG, we feel you, but... I really hope that somebody out there is hearing the message in the universe. Yeah, no. God. We're, we live in a culture that likes to fire people who have worked at the same place for 30 years just because, you know, suddenly they're mm-hmm. moving just at a different pace. We are, mm-hmm. we are not good people. No, we suck. Yeah. You know, and this yeah. is a good point, she says. You know, young people just coming out of college are having a difficult time as well, but at least they can say one thing. They have time ahead of them and opportunities to try different things. By the time you're 50, your opportunities are diminished and the chances of getting a job drop exponentially with each passing year. Mm-hmm. And that's true. That is fucking true. Yeah. And it's depressing as fuck. Yeah. Ugh. Fuck this fucking country for being a dick. Yeah. Fucking yeah. fuck, fuck, fuck. Fuckity, fuck a anyway. <laughs> I feel better. I said fuck a few times. That yeah. always helps me. Fuck. All right. May 17th. Um, this is a blog by the Sapphic Cast podcast. And it's basically what the, the team wants to do. Alex Woods and Aaron Lillis, along with Alex's buddy, Snips the Duck, who hangs out with Alex. 
Um, they just wanted to talk about how they came to create this podcast, which is a podcast in which they read lesbian fanfic and or short stories with permission, of course, from the authors and create sort of an audio experience for that story. Oh, fun. Kind of idea, right? Mm-hmm. So they tell you how they hooked up and got, got together. And, you know, I gave, there's all the links here if you want to go check that podcast out. They also have a Patreon set up and they have some ideas for that. And they also would like to put out a call to folks who know of authors or short stories or fanfic, short fiction that they would like to hear on this podcast. So there's an email address there and you can. Let them know what, what you would like to hear and suggest some of these stories that you're interested in having like told to you in an audio format in this podcast. So it's super cool. The Sapphic Cast website, there's a link on our page to that. And please check them out and go have a look at them on Patreon. See if you can help them out. Yeah, I like everything about what you're saying there. I Is like- that a good idea? What a great yeah. idea. And I, yeah. I like that they're doing it. I like that you're telling us about it. I just, I like it, Andy. Thank you. Well, I, did, I will I'll t- tell you this part. See, Alex lives in, um, in she's a Swedish. She, she lives in a Swedish? I'm trying to figure out which, it's not, I don't, I'm Swedish? not sure she lives in Sweden, though. She may live, she calls herself Scandinavian non-binary asexual creative. Okay. And Erin is a Los Angeles lesbian voice actress. Oh, well, of course. Alex has been on the Ask an Asexual show on the Lesbian Talk Show podcast, and Erin is probably best known for her work on the No Sleep podcast. So they basically hooked up, and this is what happened. Um, Alex developed some health issues in 2013, and their illness made it impossible for them to keep up reading for long periods of time. So several years since the illness, they still struggle, and they've turned to audiobooks as a format. Alex loves fanfic, lesbian fanfic especially, and here's the cool th- one of the cool things. It was Anne McMahon's stories in particular that made them fall hard for, for the genre. Alex was an active reader and writer on the fanfic forums when McMahon published Jericho so many years ago there. The books that followed the books were followed by audiobooks and they were in love all over again. But after Alex's health issues started, they searched for an audio option for the lesbian genre, and specifically they were hoping to find Anne's um, V1, A Valentine's Day Odyssey, which is a short story in the Xenoverse and the Jericho universe. And they wanted that in audiobook format and they couldn't find it. So they thought, hey, it's really hard to find lesbian short stories on podcasts in general. So Alex asked Anne if they could publish in podcast V1 in audio format. And Anne very graciously said, of course, go for it. And Alex still feels to this day that this is one of the greatest achievements of their life and is so grateful for McMahon's generosity. So thank you, Anne McMahon, for providing the inspiration for this podcast, right? Mm-hmm. How yes. about that? I mean, so cool. And I also learned that I did not even know, I, somebody should probably smack me in the head, I did not even know that Anne McMahon was a fanfic writer. I didn't know that either. So I think we both are, we're going to get uh, collectively slapped smack in the head right yeah anyway such i think that's such a cool story and how they just kind of came together and started doing this work um that is the sapphic cast friends check it out and see if you can you know throw them some names of authors or, or works you'd like them to to record and 
do an like an audio cast of this and maybe hit them up on Patreon and see if there's ways you can support them because projects like this are so cool. Definitely. Definitely, definitely, definitely. So, Sapphic cast, friends. Um, Joe, that's it. I know. It's very exciting. I did have one thing that I wanted to, like, get your advice on. Cause, oh, shit. Because okay. you're, you know, good at <laughs> things like this. So, you know, my my youngest son, Noah, bless him for being as amazing as he is, right? You, you've yes. met Noah. Yeah. Um, he hasn't said anything to to me or to Tara about this, but I've noticed that like when he returns from like events where he had where he gets to wear you know one of those um, name tag slash pronoun preferences, mm -hmm. he mm -hmm. always has instead of he him, which is what he's previously told us that he wanted us to use, he he typically has they them, right? And okay, so not that that's all that complicated. It's not that hard for me to say, you know, they, them instead of um, uh, he, him, right? That's not that, that, that complicated. But here's the part that is um, confusing or whatever. How do I do that for him to hear? If, does that make sense? Like what I'm, what I'm trying to say is that- Well, just ask him. Well, right, but what do I say to him? Like, I would just say, hey, Noah, I noticed on your last name tag, you had your pronouns as they, them. Um, would you like us to, to refer to you as they, them? Yeah, but how? How do you talk to somebody and use that designator? Oh. Um, do, you, do you know what I mean? Like, I don't know how to do it. Like, yeah, well, well you're, like, not, you're not, if you're talking directly to someone who uses they, them pronouns, you're not necessarily going to be saying they them you're going to be saying you yeah and i guess i'm i'm being stupid about see? this because i don't say i don't say he or him to him either exactly <laughs> so see? but you i just say you I, and, and you know you just you just make it work i mean I'm just, i've never had that when i'm talking directly and i know a lot of people who use they them pronouns uh, you i'm always using you if it's in a small group i will often if I have to refer to the person he was using they, them, and I have to like, you know, include that person then, and I'm saying something like, well, they would like to go to have ice cream. I will generally gesture at the person so that people understand that I'm making a distinction here. I'm referring to this person and not us as a group. Yeah. It's pronouns are tricky and I just. They're really tricky. Yeah. But I just want my kid to know that we love and support him and whatever. Yeah. Just. But if you're just talking directly to somebody who uses those pronouns, you're not going to be using those pronouns. You're going to be saying you. <laughs> I don't, th I just, I don't know. I okay. sometimes feel unqualified to be a part of my own life. Like, ser <laughs> seriously, oh I, wa <laughs> I want so much to get it right. And I just, I don't, I don't but know. As long as you're respectful about things. And that's what I've been told. I fucked up on pronouns a couple times. And I always just say, oh, excuse me. I mean, they, and you know, that's fine. People just, they, they say, oh, she, she realized it. She corrected herself and moved on. Or I've like told people, please correct me if I get this wrong. You know, if I use someone's pronouns incorrectly and then they'll say, Hey, um, they go by they, and I'll be like, Oh, thank you. No. But it's just, it's really easy. You don't have to make a huge deal out of it. Yeah, maybe that's the problem. I'm just trying to make it too big of deal story of my yeah, fucking life. 
We all do it though, but and you want to do right by your kids too. So uh, yeah, yeah. I, I'm I'm kind of crazy yeah. about that boy. Right. So just ask him. Ask uh, him like, you know, if he's if he's going to be using both sets because I know people who use like for example he him or they them. Yeah. So maybe he's going to be using both. Maybe I I think too he might have hesitated to say something to us because oh okay because he's he worked so hard to get you to say yeah. he him well and <laughs> you know there are still people in our family who you know get the he him wrong so you know the trying to you know move to the next thing is maybe just a little too scary I don't know I just I just mm -hmm. want my kid to feel safe and happy. Damn well, it. yeah, we'll just tell them, you know, if you want to be using these pronouns too, let us know. I will do that. Thank you, Andy Marquette. That was, that was my, my, my uh, need for advice. That was it. And thank you, listeners. This has been Advice Corner with Women in Words. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my goodness. You are funny. You. All right, take us on out of here. What? We got to end the, po the podcast already? We're done. <sighs> All this crazy talking. Uh, dear listener, this has been the Week in Review for Women and Words. I am Jove Bell here today with uh, my advisor and uh, soulmate, <laughs> Andy Marquette. You can find us online at womenwords.org. Uh, thank you so much for listening. And if you could hit the like or subscribe or any one of those, but just mash the buttons on your keyboard or your phone until something good happens. That's what I'm, th that's what I'm saying. Help other listeners out there in the world of lesbians or the lesbians out there in the world of listeners hmm, to find <laughs> us. Until next week, thanks for listening.